0: This is Rebel Radio.
1: Welcome to the Extinction Rebellion podcast. I'm Danny Halpin, and this episode tells the story of Zane Bangbola, a seven-year-old boy who was killed when floodwater carried toxic gas from a neighbouring landfill site into his home. However, the, the Environment Agency, the local council, the police and others effectively blamed his parents, Kai and Nicole, saying that Zane had died of carbon monoxide poisoning and they have blocked Kai and Nicole's every attempt at bringing this terrible truth into public knowledge. Six years later, in 2020, Kai and Nicole are still fighting for justice and now Extinction Rebellion has joined their cause. We'll hear the story from Kai and Nicole themselves in an interview with my co-host Sue Wheat. Here it is.
2: Thanks for joining me, Sue Wheat and Danny Halpin for this special programme walking you through the story of Zane Bangbola, a highly popular, caring, clever, planet-loving seven-year-old from Chertsey in Surrey, who tragically died in his house during the devastating floods of February 2014. David Cameron, who was Prime Minister at the time, put the cause of the intense floods down to climate change. And he was the first Prime Minister to recognise that fact. So Zane became the first British resident to officially die from a climate change-related natural disaster. So in this show, we're going to play the interview I did with kind Nicole a few weeks ago and gradually unfold the story of how Zane died in the dramatic floods in 2014 and why his parents are calling for an independent panel inquiry to fully analyse the evidence of how he died, plus what lessons we need to learn so that other lives can be saved. Because Zane's death wasn't just a tragic flood-related accident. This was a case of toxic poisoning, chemicals from an unregulated landfill behind the house, which the authorities knew about, but denied knowledge of. And it's a story that the country must learn from to prevent it happening again to others living near landfill sites.
1: According to the British Medical Journal, 80% of people in this country live within two kilometres of a landfill site.
2: I I was really shocked by that statistic. Were you?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, we're talking about historic landfill sites as well. Because um, what's important to to realise is that in the 70s, in 1974, there was a a new law that came in which uh, put a standard on what you could dump in it and how you could store it. Um, but the problem is that before that, there was very little regulation. Um, and yeah. so some of the chemicals that went into those landfill sites are now leaking out because they weren't stored properly. So what, what happened to Zane, it, it could have happened to anyone. I mean, that's the shocking part of the story here yeah, and it really why it's is. so important. Um, Kai and Nicole are also clear that this is a government cover-up story because those chemicals had been dumped by contractors working for the Ministry of Defence years ago. And that was something that the government denied until mm-hmm. an MOD engineer blew the whistle and revealed to the BBC that it was true.
2: So, I mean, when you hear the story unfold and I met with uh, kind Nicole, and it's just such an, an incredible story really. And of course, all sorts of organisations have heard that and they're backing this demand for truth. And that includes the Fire Brigade Union who attended their home that night and MPs and Lords and all sorts of other unions who've who've heard the facts and they're supporting them and are calling for that independent panel inquiry. And the way that works is that the panel would hear all the facts in the way that the inquest didn't. And we'll hear more about that in the programme. Hi, Kai and Nicole. Thank you so much for meeting with with me today. Um, You're the parents of Zane Bangbola, who was seven years old in 2014, when a flood came into your house and brought with it some toxic chemicals. Thank you so much for talking to us and telling us about this story today, because it's very important both for you as his parents to get justice. But it's also really important, as I think you're going to explain, for all of us in the country to learn from that experience. Zane died and yourself, Kai, you were paralyzed by the toxic chemicals, but under very unusual circumstances, right? Nobody would ever guess what could have happened as a result of this flood. So can you just explain to us briefly what what the summary of, of that night was?
3: Yeah, um, you're absolutely right. And Nicole was also injured and Nicole was in a wheelchair for a period of time. So it's about, um, of course, Zane, a seven-year-old child, uh, who died as a result of hydrogen cyanide being in the house during flooding. Um, and the flood water had passed through land at the rear of the house and the house, uh, the flood water passed beneath the house. The house became infused with a toxin, hydrogen cyanide. That toxin was used in World War II to kill people in concentration camps. And as a result of that toxin being in the house, we were all evacuated and uh, removed, Nicole raised the alarm. Had Nicole not have raised the alarm, many people would have died that night because um, the whole area uh, was affected. And we were out of the house for over um, a year. If you can imagine three o'clock in the morning a mother finds her child collapsed and has to call emergency services and Zane dies as happened Nicole trying to resuscitate air ambulance on, on their way um, and we get to hospital i 'm wired up to all sorts of things to and uh, effectively found unconscious in cardiac arrest, unable to help. And then to have to sleep on the hospital floor because the records are clear, no one's allowed back to the house. For five months. You know, these are the sorts of things that um, we don't want to happen to anyone else. A grieving mother sleeping on a hospital floor for five months. When I say there was nobody there that came towards us to help, it was literally that way. Now Zane is the important person here. Zane was a seven-year-old child. He was this country's youngest science, technology, engineering and maths ambassador. Zane really loved people. Um, and the night that this happened, he was out with me because he was worried about elderly people not getting their meds, as happens during flooding as well as electricity outages. Um, so he'd just come back from school and went straight out for a kind of a residence meeting. And we returned home and we fired off lots of letters to uh, counsellors, MPs. Uh, local senior officers, um, etc., that they should be doing more. Let's get some of that Dunkirk spirit into the area. The area is flooded. People are in need. Um, We weren't to know that all these things would happen. And Hours later, Zane would have died. Now, the irony to all of this is Zane was articled for his sustainability work and Zane brought the word sustainability into the lexicon of his head teacher. Um, and he said to his head teacher, he described that we should be doing more a good and wealthy school. And that resulted in the Green Team being formed. Uh, Nicole and I similarly worked in sustainability listed as environmental I should say listed as sustainability experts global experts and the area in which we worked was enabling corporate organizations to measure their performance and change and that change is about changing to a world that is more sustainable so the sadness, of course, is Zane would have been a teenager last birthday. And throughout the period of time, we've only asked for the truth. We've not sought to blame anybody who've asked for the truth. And because of our backgrounds, the initial request was, why don't you go and test the land? And we've been saying that from day one. And all of the authorities claimed that the land had never been landfill. And this was across uh, national news as well the claim that it had never been landfill. And that was exposed by the BBC as being c- in t- completely untrue. It was established that actually um, the land had been landfill, that land that the flood water had come from and then gone into the area and beneath our home. And so it was entirely plausible that that would have been the source of toxins that were discovered in the house. So we then move into uh, understanding when a home is infused with hydrogen cyanide detected by our fire services, the acts that follow are that you have port and lots of notifications. Port and Down were notified. So they got flown in. The area was evacuated by the fire services in any case. Um, hazardous area response team had to uh, commandeer ambulances to get people out. Many people were decontaminated, both from the emergency services. Those people that uh, were removed from the area had to be taken to a special pop-up hospital. And that was also requiring decontamination. So where we live is the ultimate sense of force insecurity. It's on the river. And by the side, there is a field with a lake. And it's that field that the water came from. The bridge into our area, was they they cordoned that off, so nobody could come over a bridge across the River Thames into our area. The next day, the Prime Minister came to the area. All of these things are reminiscent of what people saw with Salisbury. No different. So you then connect with that this is a child that died. Yet there was no response from the government in terms of informing the public. When there was a sense of gases poisoning the lungs of little ones in Shakun, Syria, through chemical attack, resulted in 59 Tomahawk missiles. Any kind of nerve agent chemical attack is very, very serious, and perhaps the government recognised that and it brings us round to the circular point of how did that those chemicals get there which is where the bbc identified a whistleblower who's a mod person engineer that said there were contracts and those contracts had uh, chemical drums dumped behind Zane's home as well as on other areas of unregulated landfill The British Medical Journal was absolutely clear. 80% of people in this country live within two kilometres of landfill. That's over 50 million people. The whistleblower was clear. Chemical drums were dumped behind Zane's home and on other areas of land. If anybody was in a situation of knowing that they live... In proximity to landfill and there are certain dangers especially as the climate changes and there is increased risk of flooding then they have a right to understand how they can protect themselves and their families when we bought our home in 2004 we had an environmental search likewise our neighbours Those searches said that the land was clean. Entirely consistent with what the BBC were told, the land had never been landfill. And that wasn't true. So the worry for everybody involved here is that the public need to be protected. The climate is changing. What happened to Zane could have happened to anyone listening to anyone. And we don't want loved ones of another family coming to us because it's a matter of public protection. You must recognise the truth of what happened in order to protect and go forward into the future. We then found out um, that the Environment Agency's property 10 yards from where Zane died Um, went through the planning process with a condition that required the land to be assessed. In 2010, that property was was built. And a specialist engineering firm had in their report that there's migrating landfill gases, the risk is high, the consequences of the risk are serious injury and death. And what they did with that information, instead of... uh, assessing the land and remediating it, they put a gas proof membrane in their property to protect themselves and told nobody else.
2: So this this property was close to your house and owned by the government and they realised, they must have realised that the people using that property, working in that property, were at threat and so they protected them by putting a gas proof membrane in the in the property
3: precisely that um, but, but
2: they refused to and this is they being the government yeah. refused to acknowledge to you that your house or other houses in the area were in danger
3: they were simply silent we we had no clue nobody had any clue they knew so the clarity of this is Zane's death was completely preventable they knew and they protected themselves and they equally could have protected Zane and us but they chose to keep that information secret the consequences of that are likely to be that our home Uh, received the flood water and the gases, and people died.
4: So a landfill now is um, very sophisticated. They're all capped and lined and vented for gases, and it is guarded on what goes in. There's very um, high levels of law and legislation and controls around it. The case in our case was that it was a landfill site from the 30s, before legislation came in in the 70s, and it was just dig and dump at that stage. And there's many landfill, historic landfill sites that aren't protected throughout the UK. And with widespread flooding, it's a new territory. We have to look at these historic land sites, which are the danger points on top of flooding, which gives you the pathway from those landfill sites to us, the receptors. And that's what we need to really look at instead of burying our heads in the sand. It's a very painful um, point because if the local authorities had been transparent at the time that they received the report showing the migrating gases or at the point where we did the searches, that they showed that it was a landfill site, we would have been able to make informed decisions more so than maybe others, um, and they didn't. And that's where it became more sinister. This wasn't a catastrophic event flooding coming to landfill this was something that they knew about they were forewarned about and they didn't tell the local residents and Kai and I were unable to make informed decisions based on our knowledge and the information that they had.
2: Just to clarify because the story can can get quite complicated so I'm going to try and uh, cover some of the things again but the BBC revealed that a former Ministry of Defence engineer who who asked to remain anonymous, but he said that he believed that subcontractors working for the tank research facility five miles from the house used to dump waste chemicals in the local gravel pits and those were behind Zane's house. Of course, not every flood-prone area in the country will have such terrible chemicals buried behind their houses, but um there is so much evidence that landfill does cause really severe health problems isn't that right
1: Yeah in fact two schools in Coatbridge, Lanarkshire were built on an industrial toxic dump and four teachers there three of whom worked in the same corridor have developed the same rare form of bladder cancer two others have autoimmune disorders one child has gone blind and there have been re- reports of water coming out of the taps bright blue it's, you know, it's
2: unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, bright blue water. That's,
1: yeah, that's I mean, just... it's, look, these these aren't directly linked to the presence of the landfill site uh, as yet, but, you know, those involved, they're calling for an independent inquiry to to officially yeah, recognise the truth of, of what's happening, just like uh, with the case we're talking about right now. And also in, in Losco, Derbyshire, um, a house among an estate of 55 homes exploded, destroying the house, damaging others, that was down to methane from landfill. And also last week, BBC Horizon uh, just aired a show called Toxic Town, the Corby Poisonings. And this is back in the 90s where a group of mothers uh, took them, again, years to win their case to prove that the deformities the their children were being born with were a result of industrial chemical poisoning.
2: And also the fight that everybody has. You know, I mean, unfortunately, kind Nicole, seem to have been stymied everywhere they turn by every official public department. Even the Committee on Climate Change's Risk Assessment Department, uh, the CCRA, they, they, of course, they acknowledge the risk associated with landfill and flooding. But according to Kai and Nicole, they, they are still turning a blind eye to Zane's situation, um, stating that more, more research is needed. Uh, But let's go back to Kai Nicole and um, to put a few things into context uh, that are spoken about. Kai refers to the film Dark Waters, which came out in cinemas recently and which Rebel Radio uh, did a show, radio show on about a few weeks ago and um, that you presented with Anna, Danny. Mm -hmm. So... Have a listen, um, everybody, to that on our Mixcloud page. It was an incredible interview with the lawyer himself, Rob billott
1: Yeah, he fought a 12-year legal battle uh, against one of the USA's largest industrial manufacturers called DuPont. And he fought that on behalf of the working-class residents of Parkersburg, West Virginia, who were being poisoned by toxic waste leaking from DuPont's landfill sites into the water supply.
2: It's an incredible case and I think Kai and Nicole have have learned a lot from that actually and would really like to reach out to them too. Um, But also just to explain, uh, Kai also refers to the top military organisation in the world that produces chemical weapons and of course he's referring to Porton Down, which is the UK's highly secretive biological warfare and chemical research establishment. And he also mentions Matt Rack, who is the head of the Fire Brigade Union and one of the most respected trade unionists in the country.
3: So I was always diagnosed hydrogen cyanide poisoning, Zane was two metres from me. So how Zane could have died from something other than, or even a substance that wasn't there, or something that wasn't even medically uh, within his uh, presentations is weird. Um, and totally wrong I should say. This is the fire brigade's data which is why we've got MATRAC Foursquare behind us because they only found hydrogen cyanide carbon monoxide zero hydrogen cyanide was detected at levels that kill people. This is what went to emergency COBRA. So you can see the information in the emergency COBRA. This is a particular line where it says the truth must be vetted to ensure that sensitive information doesn't get into the public domain. Yet they record the very high levels of hydrogen cyanide. So this is the National Incident logbook on the day that Zane died. So they knew on the day that Zane died that there was hydrogen cyanide in the house.
2: So just to clarify, so I'm looking at a copy of a national incident record log that you've given me. Um, and it says important note, this incident due to the escalating flooding incident, which affected Chertsey and the family illness and subsequent death of the child attracted high media interest. And then it says the information on pages two to five containing details of the case may need to be vetted to ensure no sensitive material is allowed into the public domain. Hydrogen cyanide poisoning suspected in the water at, and then they put the address of your house, on the 8th of February, 2014, at two o'clock. And it gives the name of their officers who were deployed to this incident in Chertsey. And then following on, It talks about, it goes into more detail about the poisoning.
3: It talks about the clearance of poisonous gases and it talks about the crew being fully fitted out and it says that the gravel pit, um, uh, that the water came from the gravel pit at the rear of the house and it says who owns the gravel pit. So you've got... A huge amount of detail that is very clear, very high levels, very high readings. It's got readings on the upstairs of the house, readings on the downstairs. Only hydrogen cyanide is identified.
2: And how did you come across this piece of paper?
3: Um, It was in a bundle of 26 um, files. So um, it was in there. The rest of the document was redacted. We don't know who placed it in there or how it got in there. Um, it just exists.
2: And how did you find the files? How did you find it?
3: The when when uh, Zane's inquest uh, happened, everybody receives a bundle of files. It's called the bundle, and it was within that bundle. So these are files taller than the average person when they're piled together just boxes of these files and this was the one sheet that was in there that evidenced what was going on.
2: And this came to you?
3: Yes it was in should have been in everybody's bundle because everyone's meant to have exactly the same documents. So I can remember the um, interview that you did for Dark Waters and he explained how he went through millions of pages and um, That was very hard to do because there's lots of information when you go through it page by page. Well, I went through exactly the same process and this was in the documents. The National Incident Record uh, Log states that the truth needs to be vetted to ensure that no sensitive material gets into the public domain. And so, again, when you look at this in the round, a home infused with hydrogen cyanide, the top military organisation in the world that produces chemical weapons was brought into the area. The matter goes to emergency COBRA, the highest level of national security in the land. How would anybody conceive that carbon monoxide was the reason they would do that. For carbon monoxide, you um, leave the property, open the windows, you can use it the same day.
2: And that was the verdict of the coroner?
3: Okay. The, the verdict of the coroner was a substance that wasn't there, that Zane died from carbon monoxide poison. For carbon monoxide, you don't call important down. For carbon monoxide, you don't evacuate a whole area. It hasn't got legs, it can't move to other properties. For carbon monoxide, you don't have emergency cobras.
2: And okay. the first emergency cobra was on the actual day that Zane died? Yes. And uh, you and you were unconscious?
3: And of course, um, Zane's death went to an inquest. And that inquest should have required parity, equality of arms. What actually happened was we refused legal aid three times. And we had to beg, borrow and crowdfund for our own son's inquest, £75,000. And we only managed to secure that on the day that Zane's inquest started. So all of the other legal teams, five of which, even the coroner was funded out of the public purse, had funds for years before. From the public purse. And we didn't.
2: Why was that?
3: Uh, because we refused legal aid. On
2: what grounds?
3: Uh, on on the grounds that Zane's case wasn't public interest. And we we continued on. Um, we recognised that this was going to be uh, very difficult for us. But the conclusion is the important bit. And the conclusion of Zane's inquest was that Zane was poisoned by carbon monoxide, a substance that wasn't detected, a substance that is um, not consistent with the uh, conditions or any blood analysis that was done on any of us. Yet somehow Zane died from a substance that wasn't there. So we immediately made clear that Zane needs to have an independent panel inquiry and matters proceeded from there and that garnered support from the public where we are um, 108,000 people have said Zane must have an independent panel inquiry. That also has support from the unions, from political parties, the Labour Party, to the point where Zane is in the Labour manifesto. And that takes some doing and some belief. Um, Zane's early day motion was signed by a large number of MPs. The unions involved include the fire brigade union. And Matt Rack is absolutely clear. Nerve agent was detected multiple times in Zane's home. And that flood water came from the land at the rear of Zane's
2: home. So you have quite a lot of respected people actually backing you, don't you? Yes,
3: and this, this also um, brought, because people were seeing the cruelty of the abuse perpetrated upon us, because it was as though um, instead of those organisations that were there to protect us coming to our assistance and aid, they all seemed to come towards us to attack and the other unions involved range from the TUC, uh, Unite the Union, Unison, PCS Union, National Education Union, Communication Workers Union. They don't get involved in these sorts of things, showing solidarity and collectivism for no reason. So we thank all of those organisations and the public from the bottom of our hearts, as Zane would always want us to do. Um, because it's only through their support that we are able to um, ask that Zane has a full and fearless investigation into the evidence, data and facts surrounding his death. All of which were stripped from Zane by not having an Article 2 inquest, were stripped from Zane by denying Zane a jury. All of these are wrong from an inquest that's meant to be fair and it exemplifies the situation that Nicole and I and all of the supporters really believe needs to be corrected because it is a matter of public protection. This is Rebel Radio. The time is now.
2: Kai and Nicole really need as much support as possible because, as Grenfell shows, um, fighting for justice and accountability with our government can be long and arduous.
1: Yeah, that's why in in Extinction Rebellion, we're doing what we can. I mean, I spoke to Lola Perrin. Uh, She's an artist and a musician um, who's one of the co-founders of of XR Artists. Um, So I interviewed her yesterday over... The phone and this is what she had to say.
0: My name's Lola. I'm a rebel and I'm also a pianist and a composer.
1: Mm-hmm. And what's your involvement within Nexar?
0: Um, I'm the proud founder <laughs> of the Arts and Culture group. It's The full name is Bringing Arts and Culture to Extinction Rebellion. I'm not the sole founder. It was originally Roger Hallam's idea and really the original idea that Roger came up with was no one's going to come to a dry political meeting, but if we have fun things and if we have emotional things like theater, um, visual art, music, we can bring lots of people to the movement that way.
1: And can you tell us how you first came across uh, Zane's family and a and, and campaign Truth About Zane?
0: Sure. Um, there was a, the organization called um, uh, Campaign Against Climate Change. And I went to a couple of their meetings. This is all pre XR. And they came up with this great idea to do something called um, going backwards on climate change. Mm-hmm. Because when the Paris Agreement was signed, then, the, sort of within like three or four weeks, Cameron removed subsidies for things like building wind turbines. <laughs> so, you know, the government immediately started going back on the Paris Agreement. So, the the idea of this campaign was for people to gather and walk backwards down Whitehall. So, I went, you know, along with many other people and we were gathering and then I saw Kai and Nicole. They were present. They have amazing kind of presence, you know, and I was just like, who are these people? And so Well, we're all walking backwards and they were going backwards and then there were speeches and Kai gave a speech and that's the first time I heard about what happened to this family Um, and of course I was knocked out and I made sure I kind of met them and introduced myself and told them how sorry I was what happened to them and then fast forward maybe six months there was some kind of major climate march and again I saw them so I ended up marching with with them And I told them that I really wanted to to work with them. So I kind of, you know, have a little bit of history with this family. And I've, I've really wanted to wait. I've wanted so strongly to bring them into the XR movement. But I wanted to wait until I knew that, The time was right so that everyone's focus could be on them. So it wouldn't just be like during a rebellion where there were so many brilliant things going on that we wouldn't actually notice what happened to this family.
1: Uh, And what were you planning to do? Because they were going to hand in the petition that has had 109,000 signatures and there was going to be um, an XR action alongside that, wasn't there? What was that?
0: Yeah, so what we thought, I got a group together, as you always do in XR, you know, there's a whole group of us on WhatsApp kind of gathering around this the campaign to deliver the petition. So we thought, okay, two days before the petition is delivered, we will have a theatrical... This is going to come from the Arts and Culture Group. So we'll have a theatrical action, because that's what we specialise in, actually, is these sort of artistic actions. We'll we'll gather at Nelson's Column, and then we will um, process silently over the road to the Ministry of Defence, and we will hold banners asking for the truth, to be told about zane and for the truth to be told about um chemical dumping in public land and in landfill
1: of course yeah everything's been locked down because of the coronavirus and what does this mean for this action and what does this mean for the for the petition as well
0: okay so the petition is still you know still seeking more signatures um, and then post virus there will be a, the delivery of the petition and we will then do our street action As planned, it will just be you know several weeks or months hence. Um, But in the meantime, we're we are gathering with Nicole to develop the script, and the actress Tamarin Payne will will perform her one woman show of this script when it's evolved, and she will perform it at home to video.
1: And I guess one positive thing about this being postponed is that there's more time. for people to add in signatures on the, on the
0: petition, right? Yeah, because I think there's probably 200,000 members of XR in the UK, I think. I don't know, I've been trying to find out. <laughs> um, so wouldn't it be great if we could get... I mean, I know we're not a petition-based movement, but I think that it's critical to boost boost the numbers. I feel that it's, you know, this is such a, a very serious subject, and it's... the I'm I'm overwhelmed by the generous spirit of Kai and Nicole and also their utter patience with me because they know that I have wanted to bring this into XR and they've never, ever said anything negative to me while they've been like patiently waiting for a year and a half, I guess, for me to actually do something. And I'm just so grateful to them for being so patient um, and just being such lovely, lovely people to work with and I'm, I'm so glad I know them.
1: And if you'd like to support the Truth About Zane campaign, go to truthaboutzane.com. And you can do that after the show. You can see all the information about uh, what they're doing, about what their future plans are. You can sign the petition that's on there um, and keep an eye out for future actions because when this lockdown is lifted, Extinction Rebellion, uh, as Lola said, will be back to support uh, this campaign.
4: This is also an opportunity. You may have heard that we've now got a whistleblower that's come through that worked at the MOD as an engineer. But six years have passed, 73 months since SANE was killed. People in positions in, in the local authorities, in the government, in the MOD, they may be encouraged by the fact that we've got one whistleblower. So please come forward. Your lives may have changed in those six years. You may have got children yourself, grandchildren. You may have retired and can speak freely without concerns of paying your mortgage. Please come forward to us. Every and all information that you can provide will help to save lives. Your identity can be protected if you're not strong enough or or not willing to to come forward publicly. You will be protected.
3: We want people, uh, as we always have, to think about what could be more right uh, than to support the truth over what caused the death of a seven-year-old child, and come together and support us. We appreciate that we need wider organizational support from those that care about the environment, those that care about human beings. Because the whole idea, as Nicole said, is wider public protection, a true recognition for what really happened. That's the call of the independent panel inquiry.
2: Kai and Nicole refer to Hillsborough quite a lot during uh, our interview and in the next clip as well that you'll hear. And if you don't know about Hillsborough, it was a fatal human crush during an association football match at Hillsborough Stadium in Sheffield in 1989. And it was a truly awful incident where 96 people died and it really shook the country. And with Hillsborough, the first coroner's inquests into the disaster ruled that all the deaths were accidental. And families rejected the findings, but it it took until 2009, like 20 years later, for the families to get an independent panel inquiry, which is what kind Nicole want for Zane's case. And the Hillsborough inquiry ruled that the supporters were unlawfully killed um, due to grossly negligent failures by police and ambulance services to fulfil their duty of care. Hillsbrush
4: shed the scales from many people's eyes when 96 deaths were covered up. And with all these tragedies, there's a number, Grenfell, 72, Birmingham pub bombings, 21. And then there's little Zane. Zane's just a number one. To the world, he was the number one, but to us, he was the world. And we want to know how many number ones are there out there fighting for justice, not finger wagging. How many sons and daughters have been killed and how many families are there fighting the systematic failures and cover-ups for truth recovery, corporate responsibility, institutional accountability. They are fighting authorities that spend public money like water and they are numerous government bodies against us spending public money like water, protecting reputations rather than doing the right thing.
2: We're with you. I mean, Extinction Rebellion is full of people around the country, around the world, who realize the pain that lots of people are already experiencing as a result of climate change. And obviously you've experienced that pain. And, you know, we're all, we all live on this earth. We all care about each other. And Extinction Rebellion is a family of of, of carers, I've come to realise, and you know, we'll do whatever we can to help you.
4: We really appreciate that and it's a pivotal moment for us because Extinction Rebellion helping now, fighting for us rather than fighting with us is uh is very touching and it's what's been needed for six years you know it's it's people need to own it because it may be them next and I don't mean to say that in a fear-mongering way but the floods are everywhere these are environmental issues that we cannot run away from and it doesn't matter what you do to protect yourself is that the right thing and in our case you've got a country f- filling the air bricks with sandbags to stop water coming in but actually what they're doing is they're stopping gases coming out and so there is a lot of learning to come from Zane's case on how we deal with gases, landfill, flooding, what we do to protect ourselves um, and what we shouldn't do to protect ourselves.
3: Of course the purpose of an emergency cobra should never be to cover up the deaths of seven-year-old children and nobody, absolutely nobody wants to think that their children aren't safe when they've tucked them into bed at night. And it's for these reasons that we ask people to support. We ask these organisations that um, should care about the environment and people to join us and we will get uh, a legacy of truth for Zane as an outcome, and the opportunity to protect the wider public as the climate continues to change. Um, And that would be a right thing to do. People do need to look and not look away when there are events such as this, as the sensible way forward. And that's all we've ever asked of Parliament.
1: So there's a few things you can do now. Sign the Truth About Zane petition, uh, asking for an independent panel inquiry and share it. They need public support. It's the perfect thing to do now while we're all stuck in lockdown. You can find it on the website, truthaboutzane.com. And if you've got friends in high places, ask them to get in touch with Kai and Nicole. Um, And of course, send them messages of support yourself.
2: And sign up to their e-newsletter. Uh, they've got a, a website full of information, truthaboutzane.com. Um, so follow their social media as well and be a supporter when when needed.
1: You can also pre-buy a special limited edition hardback copy of the, the Truth About Zane book, which Nick and Nicole have written uh, with your name in it. This is available to the first 2,000 orders. It's £20 and it'll be published later this year. And after the lockdown, you can join Kai and Nicole, Matt Rack of the Fire Brigade Union, and other supporters in delivering the petition to Number 10 Downing Street, asking simply, reasonably, for an independent panel inquiry into what killed Zane. It currently has about 109,000 signatures, but I I reckon with with the help of XR Rebels signing and sharing, we could push that up to 200,000 easily.
2: Yeah, to be sure.
0: This is Rebel Radio.
1: Thank you for listening to the Rebel Radio podcast hosted by Sue Wheat and myself, Danny Halpin. There are lots of new podcasts coming up soon, including another best of Rebel Radio about climate change and flooding featuring Green London Assembly member Carolyn Russell.